0: my name is jim derrick welcome to another edition of chapters on today's program we are going to speak with the founder of team sharing a grief support network, which has sprung up not only here in Massachusetts, but across the country and continues to grow. So please welcome to the program, Cheryl Juair. Welcome. Thank you. Cheryl, tell me a little bit about Team Sharing and what the mission is. So Team Sharing is a
1: national organization. We're a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We support families that have lost a child to uh, substance use disorder. It's just for parents.
0: And it's not limited to opioids. Nope. So you start right when somebody experiences a loss.
1: Yes. If we see or hear of of anybody that's uh, just recently lost, we uh, jump into survival mode and just do what we need to do to mm-hmm. help that parent. Mm-hmm.
0: When somebody experiences a loss, how do you think that team sharing can most be supportive right in those early hours of loss and grief?
1: If we hear of a loss, let's say, in a newspaper, Mm -hmm. and um, this parent isn't familiar with team sharing, I'll go into a team sharing group and I'll say, hey, here's the obituary. There's a wake coming up on Thursday night. Who can make it? Mm -hmm. If you can make it, meet me on the steps at 3.30. It starts at 4. We want to go there and support that mom. And what we do is we go into the wake, and we just go as a group, and we tell that mom, We know what you're going through right now. We just want to let you know we're a group called Team Sharing. We've all lost our children to substance use disorder. I'll give her my card, and I'll say, when you're ready, call us, and we'll be there for you.
0: Team Sharing is made up of exclusively of people that have lost children or loved ones to substance use disorder. I, the first time I witnessed this was uh, through my friend uh, Joe and Lynn Winkus when they uh, Winkus when they lost their son Jeffrey and and they came into contact with team, team Sharing and I've seen Lynn is now on your board of directors yes she is and uh, very active and Lynn invited me up to uh, your 5K last year which is your at currently your biggest fundraising event uh, the impact of being among all of you. People and seeing the pictures of your loved ones that everyone has, has has lost has made an indelible impact on me. The numbers just don't tell the story. You have to meet people like you and Lynn and other families, right. in my opinion. Um, so I really urge people get onto the internet and take a look at TeamSharingInc.org is the website. Uh, take a look at it. It's got a great, great array of support. You can join Facebook. Groups all across the country, depending on the state you're in. Uh, You can also find resources on there for uh, grief support groups that will help you through your crisis. Um, Cheryl, let's get to your story. You're the mother of three boys, Mm -hmm. and uh, you raised them here in Massachusetts? I did. And it's Corey, Sean, and Bobby. Bobby. And so two of your boys um, suffer from substance use disorder. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell the story of. um, of bringing up the boys,
1: Well, first of all, let me tell you that Cory died um, february twenty fourth, two thousand and eleven. and so it was yeah. kind of uh, the start of this this epidemic. Mm-hmm. Cory's oldest brother, Bobby, uh, who you don't hear much from, is um a police officer. right. So he's a sergeant on the police force, and he's doing amazing, has a wonderful family, a home, y- y- everything's going great. Mm-hmm. Um I had Sean. Uh, Sean is one year younger than Bobby. Um, He was, he's in recovery right now. So, Mm. yes, he had some issues as well. And I had Corey about nine years after Sean. Yep. So he was actually the baby of the family. Right. And Bobby and Sean just adored Corey. Um, Growing up, uh, Sean and Corey were more closer. Uh, They were both practical jokers and Mm. Um, And they hung out a lot. Um, Corey, back then, started using pills. I'm not exactly sure when. I don't know if it was um, after a surgery he had, Mm -hmm. but he was addicted to pills. Mm -hmm. And again, back then in 2011, I thought it was his choice. And I thought it was something he was going to outgrow. So instead of supporting my son, what I did was I said, Shame on you. I didn't raise my children to do this and to be like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sean was already often married, so I didn't see him as much in his addiction. Um, But I found out afterwards that they would use a lot together. And um, Sean even overdosed in front of Corey. Corey saved his life. So, But... um, for, yeah, so I, I thought Corey made a choice, and he tried to explain to me several times. I mean, I would bring him to detox, and I'd say, will you get it this time? Mm-hmm. You know, it was yeah. just, I mean, he was my baby, and yeah. I loved
0: him, to, of course. You um, must have been quite angry with him because you didn't understand addiction.
1: I, I, I was. Mm-hmm. I, I'd never heard the disease of addiction. Um I just I just thought, you know, he and I said, you're 23 years old, and you're on food stamps. I mean, who does that? You know, like... Yeah. What growing man does that? You need to be out. You need to get a job. You just had a baby.
0: So you were doing what many do when they don't understand, what you were parenting from uh, the standpoint that this was a discipline issue. And you just needed to be a little firmer and, and, and maybe at some point he'd get it. Exactly. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. And that's and that's what I thought. And mm. then um, And then I got the phone call. I was living in Florida when my son died. And... I came up. I buried him. I didn't get any casseroles. I didn't. Nobody came over because I wasn't even living there anymore. I stayed at my son's house, my oldest son's house. We buried him, and I had to get right back to work. Went right back to Florida. Life is normal for everybody else but me. And so for the next two years while I was in Florida, I was flying up every three months to to be at my son's grave—that's—I just kept coming up because I needed to be near his bones. Is how I told people, but I didn't tell people then because I thought they were going to think I'm crazy. And I cried every single day for two, over two years, two and a half years, and nobody understood. Um, I went to a great church. They never talked about him. They didn't even know him because he—he he wasn't from there. So they never, nobody even asked me his name. He was forgotten. Even your your siblings or, or your other children don't understand the grief that you're going through. I got close to a point where I wanted to end my life after two and a half years. I just couldn't do it anymore. And then we decided to move home. And that was the best thing that I could have done. So I moved home.
0: To Massachusetts.
1: To Massachusetts. Moved home. This is my home. And got involved on Facebook and met a couple other moms along the way who had lost a child. And so one night, seven of us went out to dinner. We'd all lost a child. This is the first time anything like this has ever happened. And we spent the night in Reading at a restaurant just talking about our children. And as they were going around the table, and none of us had known each other, all of a sudden one said, well, I wanted to die. And another, another one said, well, This happened to me, and I feel like this, and I feel like this, and I think I just sat there with my mouth dropped because I was like, oh, my God, they're they're talking my language. This is just how I felt. So we seven became the best of friends, and that's when I came back and created Team Sharing. For us seven to go to have a place that we could just share in our grief together, one of the biggest complaints that I have found over time— or actually from the very beginning, as these moms say, people forget our child's name. They forget the date that they died. They forget their birthday. Our own family forgets this. So I said, okay, well, when you get into the group, I want your child's name, their date of birth, and their date of death, because in this group, I won't forget that child. And so on that date, I will recognize you, the mom. And that's why the groups are particular to parents is because we understand. And so they can go in there and they can share exactly what they're feeling from that day. And, uh, you know, and how, you know, one just shared recently that they're going to a wedding of their son's best friend, mm-hmm. their son who died. Right. And The best friend, the son was supposed to be the best man, you know, and the mom's like, how am I going to get through this day? I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And then all the other parents just started saying, hey, give me a call if you need me. We're there for you. We understand. We know what you're going to go through. In Massachusetts, we have almost 700 members. We do six, seven, eight announcements every single day. We do this in every state chapter. No mom is ever going to be forgotten on their child's date of birth or date of death. It's never going to happen. That's how we started. I didn't expect that it was going to grow, but that's something that we could never lose. At the end of the day... When that mom says, I couldn't have gotten through that day, my son's first angelversary, without all the support from you moms, then I know our job's been done.
0: So Cheryl, what type of support do you offer families, and what do you do with funds that you raise?
1: So we, our biggest um, expense, if you will, is... uh, Funerals. Yes. It's to help pay, whether it be um, it, to buy and earn, to help bury their child. Um, nobody prepares to bury a child. Right. Um, you prepare for college funds. You don't prepare to bury a child. So most people that have lost a child do not have the funds to do so. We are there to help with that. We also help, though, with the children that have been left behind because many, many families had, whose child passed away had a child or children. And they're the ones, in my opinion, I mean, the parents are hurt, don't get me wrong, but they're the ones that, that now they're devastated because they don't have a mom or a dad to wake up to every single day. So we do a lot for them. We've recently done a backpack drive. We've done a um, coat drive for these kids. And it's not about whether they um, have the money to buy a coat or not. It's just a matter of, you know what, their heart's broken, whether you have a million dollars or you have one dollar. So we just do it generally for any child. And we will put it on the website and we'll say we're having a coat drive. If anybody needs or wants a coat, just give us your child's information and we'll get, get it out to you. Again, the backpack. But our biggest one that we really, really, really look forward to is our Christmas party. Yeah. It's a huge, joyous celebration. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Last year was the best. This one's going to be even better. I want to remind everybody, we're speaking with Cheryl Juair. Cheryl is the president and founder of Team Sharing Incorporated. Team Sharing is a national organization for parents who have lost children to substance use disorder, and uh, it now currently has today as of today a 15th chapter yes in a new state
1: we just started michigan yeah um yeah it's it's not easy to get a state started um because you have to make sure that the mom or the dad who um is going to be the admin for that state is is ready yeah um
0: and and it's a facebook group that primarily drives this this social interaction of of people that have lost people to substance use disorder
1: but the thing with the fa with the uh, state groups mm-hmm. is we all organize meetings to get together yeah um on international overdose awareness so in day there were walks all over uh pennsylvania and new jersey team sharing they walked over a bridge that that um that connected their their states and met all for the first time <laughs> so there's a picture crazy. of about 60 moms all some New Jersey and Pennsylvania all together. And
0: that was just to me, like
1: I just looked at that and such are and just thought,
0: wow. And I think you just touched on something that I find very, um, motivating is that team sharing also allows, gives people an outlet to, to, uh, gather and to, do things like march in Washington D.C. to take up a cause, if you will. Um, you participate in Fed Up and various things like that. Yeah, we we
1: so we do a lot of advocacy
0: because advocacy. Thank you. you.
1: In in the group, uh, you'll you know you, you hear the, the mom's grief, and they don't know how to channel it, and so all of a sudden we'll say, "Hey, this is going on. If you're ready, and if anybody wants to." connect with us and and let, let's do this mm-hmm. and um, oh my gosh you know your, your biggest warriors are the parents who have lost a child right. they are ready willing and <laughs> able to go and they will be there yeah it's amazing to me and and so they don't just sit back and say oh this is what happened to me right and you know they use their grief for good.
0: And I'm sure in those early days, months, years, uh, it's difficult to put one foot in front of the other at best. But when you have others that walk arms with you and say, I bend you, I get it. It's okay that you want to be on the couch today, but join me tomorrow. right? Um, It's got to be great. So team sharing really has a national chapter where people from any state, a state that's represented by team sharing or not, can access team sharing? And then how would somebody, after they're in that national chapter, they like what they see, and they're in, say, Arkansas and they don't have a chapter yet, how do they become helpful to starting a chapter in their state?
1: So every now and then I will make an announcement mm-hmm. and I will say, okay, you know, we have 15 state chapters right now, we don't have um, one in, in Arkansas, um, any Arkansas moms interested or dads interested in maybe uh, starting one, um, I just, somebody just, uh, just shared a post and, and wanted to know where everybody lived. And under that post, people were, were posting where they lived. And I f- saw that there was a lot from Michigan. And I said, wow, there's a lot of you guys in Michigan. And I said, so does anybody want to start a, a chapter? And one mom said, you know what? I, I think I could do this now. I'm retired. I, I live at home. Yeah. I lost both my children. Mm-hmm. I'm divorced. Um, I need a purpose. And so she stepped up, and just a couple of weeks ago, she started team sharing Michigan. and she's she, there's like thirty people in the group already, and she's doing amazing. She's already um, planned a couple of events. She planned a luncheon coming up for them all to meet. Um, and it's just it, it's such a healing healing opportunity for her. Um, our Pennsylvania mom, I've got to say Tracy Martin she's she's amazing she works 24/7 for team sharing she would she lives breathes and dies team sharing That's great she's amazing she's the one that organized the n- New Jersey and Pennsylvania yeah the, uh, she was the there the, watch she yeah. was there at the safe house she yeah. organized all the people to come there yeah. she is constantly she's broken up her state into mm-hmm. different chapters with moderators and a lunch here and a lunch there and a dinner here Yeah. Um, and it's healing. And she said, "I don't know what I would ever do without this, with without this group." And um, and and that's just two of, of fifteen uh, amazing chapters.
0: So if this podcast has landed on your uh, inbox and you're listening and you want to get, you want to uh, start your own chapter in a state that's not covered, you now know how. Just go to the national site, uh, message uh, these good folks at Team Sharing, and you could be on your way to starting your own chapter. Correct. And ushering others. Uh, through this process of support. I, I don't throw this term around loosely. Heroic or courageous are two terms that come to mind when I look at you. I look at Lynn and others on the board because it's taking your deep, deep pain and wounds and using it to support other people. So I really want to encourage people to go to team sharing uh, go onto the website, Team Sharing, just as it sounds, and consider giving a donation. Maybe you do so in the, lover, uh, in the memory of a loved one. I promise you it is the best thing you could possibly do to support others that are grieving. Or um, maybe you just give a donation because you want to support people that are living the uh, the other side of this opioid epidemic, which is really, in my opinion, been a little bit shoved under the rug. The faces and the names are are all available to you when you go on the website, of so people that are grieving the loss of a loved one. This is a wonderful way to support your community. It is the only way uh, the team sharing uh, survives. Uh, is there is no grant? There's no magical uh, money fairy flying in to give to to give you guys money. Nope. Which is kind of startling in a way because there's there's so much talk about. About the uh, the horror of losing almost seventy thousand people a year to substance use disorder, yet here's a group like yours with fifteen chapters and states, and you don't have any other funding other than your five K and and the generosity of people. Right. It, it's just it's all fundraising. There's a lot of fundraising on Facebook. So people
1: will do their birthday fundraises. You know, moms and dads that are within the group. Mm-hmm. So we do get fundraising that way. Again, the money's being used to help the children left behind, Mm -hmm. help uh, um, bury kids, um, education. We we send our admins out for education. So, yeah, it's... um But that's the only way um, by people's generous donations Mm -hmm. are we able to survive. Mm -hmm.
0: I want to talk about something you brought up earlier, and that's safe consumption sites and what we call harm reduction. And I'm fascinated by this topic. Can you tell me a little, tell the people a little bit about what harm reduction or safe consumption sites are? I'm fascinated by this subject.
1: This was another subject that... no, I didn't think that, you know, I just thought, well, that's just another excuse for them to use and, and stay high. But boy, again, become educated. I mean, always keep your mind open. Um, and so I became educated uh, and I've learned. Um, I went down to uh, with Lynn Winkus to um, the safe house in Pennsylvania sure. when that uh Hearing was going on. Mm -hmm. Lynn and I sat that whole day Mm -hmm. and we listened to the judge and we listened to the two attorneys coming uh, back and forth. And we just knew without a shadow of a doubt that um, it it was going to go good. That's how we felt. Um, Team Sharing Pennsylvania showed up. So all the moms down there, there were about 30 moms down there with photos of their kids, with their banners of their kids, of the whole Pennsylvania state in support. Yeah. of safe consumption sites because 99% of these parents, and I did a poll, I asked them how they felt about it, and once they become educated, they are all for it. Mm-hmm. They are completely for it. What once they it? understand.
0: Well, well, how do you think the safe, and, and by the way, we should talk a little bit about what a safe consumption site is.
1: So a safe consumption site is is a place where a user can go or a consumer can go um, they walk into a building it, it's supervised um, they
0: by medical staff,
1: by medical staff, mm-hmm. they walk into this building, they get their clean materials and they go over into a little room. They're still supervised because there's mirrors all around, and they use um, they there's a test strip that will tell you whether there's anything bad in that uh batch of drugs that they brought in
0: and by bad uh, we're speaking particularly about fentanyl which is 50 times more powerful than heroin and is is the reason why we're, we have seen an enormous spike uh, over the past 10 years in overdoses exactly. and uh, there it is undetectable It is unless you have a test strip
1: Exa- exactly mm-hmm. so they'll have a test strip and if it tests really high then they can know that you know what i can't take as much mm-hmm. because there's a lot of fentanyl mm-hmm. in this um so they do that, completely supervised by medical. Um, there hasn't been one death yet recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, 20 years incis in, CIS in uh, Canada, and they have not had one death. Mm-hmm. They do get overdosed, but they are prepared yeah. w- with, uh, with the Narcan and Naloxone. Um, and then from using, they go into a, what's called a chill room. And they go into that room, and they maybe have some coffee and some cookies or whatever, and they're sitting just to make sure everything's okay. But while they're in that room, this is the important part. Here's the magic right here. Here's the magic. They have the opportunity at that point to find out about resources, to find out about detox, to have people communicate with them and say, are you ready? Is this the time that you're ready? You know, Um, but from a mom's perspective, when people, what what I tell people that, that just don't get it, If I had one more day with my son, because I could have brought him there and he could have safely used and he could have walked in there with his head held high. Right. With respect. His mom brought him there so he could have one more day. Would I have done that? Absolutely.
0: And he would have the knowledge that a community, a city, a nation understood the illness the illness, because this safe consumption site was sitting there funded by taxpayer m- money with physicians and people that are, quote, important. Right. Uh, so so uh, my- unlike other illnesses, you don't, you know, when I, if I have cancer, I go into Dana-Farber and I, and I have this wonderful uh, treatment area and, and protections. And, and so you're saying that this would give him the knowledge that he was cared for.
1: Right. And my son died alone in a halfway house. Totally ashamed, couldn't tell anybody, mm-hmm. didn't call anybody, with and died of an overdose of heroin. So, um, you know, that that's tough for me because I didn't
0: understand. That is powerful. I had the opportunity to to be able to usher a young person that was j- just starting their recovery back and forth to a methadone clinic recently for a whole summer, every morning, 7 a.m. And I would drive them down to the clinic. I was um, someone who was a little bit skeptical of safe consumption sites. And I thought, gee, it just doesn't sound right. I mean, what are you kind of kind of, you know, it's almost like the argument about if we put condoms out, the kids are going to have more sex. I mean, right. that's actually it's not almost like that. It's kind of the same thing. And um, I'm driving along with this person and I brought it up. I said, I'd like your opinion on something. Now, this is somebody who had an 11 year uh, struggle with addiction, it was very sick, uh, found medication assisted treatment to work. Uh, was taking methadone but still struggling mentally with this illness which is a lifelong illness i say still as if i'm surprised i'm not courageous courageous person and we're driving along and as minute i mentioned safe consumption their head snapped around to me and they proceeded to give me about a half an hour dissertation brilliant on why it works and here's what it boiled down to exactly where you just what you said He said, you know something, when you're in the throes of the worst part of your illness and you do not want treatment, you may not go to a safe consumption site because you know what? You don't want people in your face. The people that are walking in are what they call oftentimes in the pre-contemplative or in the contemplative stage of change. Meaning I don't like my illness right now. I want to find a way out. But before I can, can I at least be safe? And then meet with that nice person that I met with before in the chill zone and be offered an opportunity. You are catching people right at the right time in their illness mm-hmm. to make a change. And if it doesn't happen that moment, then maybe the day after when they visit. Is that what I'm hearing from you? That's exactly what you're hearing. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, I know that it works really well in Vancouver. I have heard other anecdotal stories of it working. Actually, they're not anecdotal. They're all evidence-based. I need to be very careful about. It. These are evidence-based studies you just mentioned, not one fatality right. at a safe consumption site. Mm-hmm. We have to change our thinking. This nation has to change its thinking about this illness.
1: I do, become educated. You
0: need to so you need to tell your next-door
1: neighbor what the disease of addiction is in in you know, talk about safe consumption sites and just talk to anybody that will listen because we, yeah, everybody needs to become educated. And until you're educated, you're going to be ignorant.
0: I want to remind everybody we are speaking with Cheryl <laughs> Jaware from Team Sharing. My name is Jim Derrick. This is Chapters Radio. You can find the podcast at chaptersradio.com. And today we're talking primarily about team sharing. We're also talking about some of the other advocacy work that team sharing does. And one of those projects that you just were hearing about is a way not only to help support grieving people, but it's to help people get into treatment. It's to help help curb this epidemic, and safe consumption sites are one of those uh, ideas, and I really think it's getting traction here in Massachusetts. Um, There was a harm reduction committee that met last year that my friend, State Rep. Jeff Roy, was on. His mind was completely turned around after sitting through those hearings, Um, and I went to some of those hearings, and I was amazed at what I was watching, and it was uh, talking to people from around the world on why this was working. Um,
1: I just went to a... I was on a panel just last week, as well, at the state house, with um, the the users' union, yes, in support, myself, but the mayor from Somerville, yes, who is planning on opening one next year, right, regardless, right, so. Yeah,
0: And that's what it takes. It takes courage and it takes leadership. And sometimes it takes uh, uh, actually breaking the law to get this done. I mean, um, that's how important it is.
1: Right. And there was a harm reduction commission in in Boston. Right. And they went to Canada and they saw these sites. I sat
0: in on some of those hearings. Okay.
1: So Mayor Marty Walsh was totally set against it before he went. And he's in recovery as well. And uh, he came back 100 percent for it. Once he became educated, the, the whole commission is actually all for it, uh, except for the governor. He wasn't on the, commission or, uh, on the commission, but he's he's dead
0: set against it. Who knows? Yeah. The, the, the year is young. <laughs> or that didn't, actually, that's not true. But um, yeah, I, I mean, so what other, you know, there's a lot of other things that you're doing, Cheryl, um, not so behind the scenes uh, as a leader. In this fight, what are some of the other advocacy efforts that you both support and promote?
1: We've been to the Fed Up rally. Yeah.
0: Um, I was asked to speak when I when I did go to the Fed Up rally.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we've done a lot of um, protests. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't say where, but we we as Team Sharing um, have showed up in Washington, uh, the FDA, um, all in protests about the opioid crisis Mm
0: -hmm. pretty much and bringing uh, the bent spoon uh is is a good example and is that the right name for that art exhibit it's it's a big enormous spoon that's bent
1: the 10 foot 800 pound spoon yeah which was
0: at your last 5k and i got to meet the artist there i believe he's from weston massachusetts and he travels with that all around the country he's put it in front of purdue pharma he's had it in front of the fda he's had it in front of the state houses um but that's something that's a good example of an awareness piece that draws a lot of attention and i saw your your folks at the team sharing event rallied around that and all signing it it really it's motivating when you've lost somebody to know that there are others out there that are fighting to stop these losses
1: right that was his kickoff tour and uh, and he wanted the parents to come and sign that spoon and he took it all across the Country for parents to sign it, Um, and you'd think that it would be a horrible thing, but it it actually because it was for awareness, Mm -hmm. everybody wanted to sign it, Mm -hmm. and it started there at the 5K. So that was that was kind of cool.
0: Cheryl, before we came on the air, there's a part of this opioid crisis that uh, because it's maturing now, um, it's we're 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 now living with it. Uh, Here we are coming up on 2020, and it's still raging. Families are experiencing multiple losses now. Yes. Generational losses. Mm-hmm. It's staggering. <clears throat> yes. So multiple children, multiple generations.
1: So if I can share. Please. Okay. So um, I woke actually just this morning mm-hmm. to a message on my phone from a mom that's already in team sharing. And she said, Cheryl, I just lost my son. Um, in June of 2016, she had lost her daughter. Her daughter had a one-year-old son when she died. Now this one has a 10-year-old daughter. Um, We are preparing. Team sharing now is, I told the mom, as soon as you have details, let us know. We're there for you. You know we have you. Whatever you need, we're there. Um, Unfortunately, I'm going to New York or I would have driven to her house today. But um, it is multiple, and, and it's become... Normalized almost. Second is really hard. There's even been third. Um, it it never gets easier for us. But I'm just afraid out there in this world. Oh, another one. So my Cheryl. Just another one.
0: It's people are either either numb or normalized. It's almost in and I shared with you that you know I've been involved with the Safe Coalition for five years now. When we started. Uh, and got pushed off, and got our first seed money, which people were happy to give us. It's because there were five fatalities in the community, um, and uh, while we see, you know, newspaper articles that tell us they're on the decrease by, you know, depending on you listen to nine to eleven percent. The fact of the matter is that's not a big figure when it comes to the volume of fatalities we're experiencing. We just don't hear the same buzz around an overdose right now that we used to. Right, and it's frightening to me. Um, We have to keep this front and center. So people often ask, what can we do? And I'm going to tell you right now what you can do is go on teamsharinginc.org, teamsharinginc.org. Go onto the website, hit the donate button, and please give generously. Uh, What you're doing is you're supporting people in their hour of loss. Uh, people that have lost a loved one to an illness which continues to ravage our nation. And it's not just opioids. It is substance use disorder, uh, broadly speaking, which includes alcohol. It includes uh, everything that, that you can imagine. It includes the young. It includes the old. It includes the grandparents that are bringing up grandchildren now. It includes bereaved parents that are walking around with a heavy burden of knowing that they've buried maybe their only child. And this group is... Boots on the ground, supporting people in our community through their darkest hours and importantly, empowering those same people to join them in the joy of living.
1: Our Michigan mom Mm -hmm. that just started the group just a week ago, she's lost both of her children. She lost her son and her daughter. And she has been an amazing um, admin to Mm -hmm. the group. She has welcomed so many in. Uh, She's inspirational. Mm -hmm. She lifts them up. And that's what we do.
0: Joe, how do people I, I want to make it clear people can, like me, who haven't experienced a loss, we're welcome in your in your at your events. Absolutely. Right. Is oh, that a the fair statement? That's very fair. And I know that I'm on your Facebook page mm-hmm. um, and Lynn keeps me up to date with, you know, anything that's coming going on. You do have another five K this year? We do. Do you have the date?
1: It's May um I think it's May tenth. It's the day before Mother's Day.
0: Always the day, we, before, always mother's the day, day. before Mother's Day. It's always the day before Mother's Day. The day before Mother's Day, uh, the event itself is is awesome. I really encourage people to come out. Whether you run or you don't, come out. Meet the people of Team Sharing. Uh, you will not be disappointed. And last year, you had Maureen Kavanaugh uh, has a new has a book out. A Mother's Journey. Thank you. A Mother's Journey, and it talks about her journey with her daughter through addiction and substance use disorder. And Ryan Hampton, nationally known Ryan Hampton, who has authored a great book called The Fix, was sitting there and happens to call you his second mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I talked to Ryan at length, and I just want to, you know, that that's very impressive when you get somebody like a Ryan Hampton who served in the Clinton administration. He could be at a lot of places. He's on TV all the time. He could be a lot of places. He's amazing. Brian Hampton, who is focused on a national basis on solutions to the opioid epidemic, sees team sharing as a solution. And the solution is we can't leave the victims of this behind. We They have to be acknowledged. They have to be held up, raised up, and empowered. And that's what team sharing is doing. So please go on their website and consider donating. Come out to the road race day before Mother's Day.
1: Right. Come out to the road race.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anybody can uh, to can join you at some of your events, but of course the groups are private. The groups are private yeah, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. They yeah. can. That is the power of this group because it's made up of people that you are uniquely qualified, and and so that whole thing of oh I know how you feel uh, applies uniquely when somebody has lost, has this has experienced the same loss because this is this is totally unique. This is uncharted territory. Um, this illness is baffling enough. Right. Losing so. somebody to this illness is beyond baffling. Right. And frustrating and angering and
1: So that that pain of losing that child. Yeah. That first I mean, you can go to the wake and that mom will be smiling and welcoming you and and and, uh, and you'll be like, Wow, she's strong. How would, don't even know how she's doing it. Today, I even ask my husband, who was there at at, at my son's wake? Who showed up? Because I don't remember. And neither do they. And I know this because it happened to me. So when we go and we tell that mom, I know, she's smiling, she's happy, she's introducing you to this one and that one. Wait, next week, this is when she's going to need us. When the casserole stopped... When the people stop coming, stop coming over, and life is going on for them, this is when the mom is broken. This is when that veil opens, and now this mom has to face this life. Right. And this is when we step in.
0: I sat in church for the better part of twenty-five years with um, Joe Wankus. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of us, for part of those many of those years, the latter part of them had sons that were battling the same illness. Neither of us knew. That's not Joe's fault. It's not my fault. And it's not the church's fault. What it is, is a symbol to me of how misunderstood this illness is. Right. And I remember looking at Joe when I found out and my mouth dropped and he said, you too. And he gave me a bear hug and said, holy smokes. And I've carried that that with me for a long time because it's emblematic of the misunderstanding of this illness, the stigma around this illness, and the importance of continuing to have conversations with people like you to lift that stigma, to tell people this is something we have to talk about. It's imperative we talk about it from a treatment standpoint and from an understanding standpoint and from a human standpoint. This is an illness that claims people's lives. Happily, there are people that are celebrating recovery and in recovery, but it is an illness. So as Cheryl, and Lynn would echo this as well, say all the time, talk to your neighbors. That's the best way to affect change. Walk over to someone and say, hey, have I ever talked to you about substance use disorder? I met somebody, or I heard a podcast. Let's talk about it. Let's learn about it. Let's support them. And let people know that it's okay to have this conversation uh, in your community, because one of the things that you are answering happily that really, really haunts me is the notion that somebody's sitting alone Correct. in their grief. That's right. Unacceptable. Nope. Had it been another illness, just flip the switch, there'd be. And I'm not angry. I'm just saying this is just the nature of it. Exactly. I've lived it. Yep. There'd be hundreds of people around them. I just encourage people to join in these types of memorials, in these types of vigils. It's critically important for a number of reasons. Yes, we're supporting the, those that are grieving. But I think more importantly, we're changing the conversation. We're letting people know that we understand that addiction's an illness and that we have to treat this. It is a moral imperative that this country steps up. And by this country, I don't mean somebody else. I mean us, that we step up and we demand safe consumption sites, access to those, that we demand the treatment have parity just like it does for any illness so that we can stop this epidemic. We are losing way too many people unnecessarily. And the notion that Corey died alone in a halfway house feeling ashamed or that Jeff or anybody else feel ashamed of an illness that they have is unacceptable. Correct. So exactly, we have to change that, and right. happily, it is changing. So, I want to remind people: TeamSharingInc.org is the website. Uh, Team Sharing. What a group out supporting over seven hundred people and growing in Massachusetts. All people that are bereaved loved ones uh, of children that have been lost to substance use disorder. You heard Cheryl say, "Moms and dads and siblings." won't be alone on the day of their loss on the day of the funeral and in in importantly and critically in the future as these angel versaries come up every single year and people start to slide away and forget and the conversation fades your child or loved one is not forgotten by team sharing so from my guest cheryl juair in team sharing my name's jim derrick saying thanks for listening to chapters and i'll see you next week